Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Wow, welcome to The Chuck and Julie Show. It's Wild Friday for me, so I'm wearing my Hawaiian shirt in support of Maui. It used to be one of my favorite spots to go to to vacation. When I was watching that town burn down, just kind of broke my heart. I'm sure everybody has pretty much their favorite island that they love going to in Hawaii. I actually kind of like Kauai. That was kind of a nice, quiet island. But hey, just want to say thanks to Chuck and Julie for letting me guest host. I always love to do this. It's kind of a great change of pace for me, working for defense attorneys for the most part, um, working in criminal and civil cases all the time. Busy as ever, as you can imagine. Um, so I love taking a break, talking about law enforcement, judicial system, th- you know, things like that. So and I believe Chuck and Julie are actually out playing golf or, or something of that thing with their kid and stuff. So I'm glad that they're taking some time off and can relax and stuff. So what a crazy Friday. They need to stop taking Fridays off because that's when the super corrupt Biden administration tried to drop things on Friday afternoons and sneak things past. Now, I I have to tell you, I had no desire, nor do I have any desire to talk about Hunter Biden. I think he's just a complete piece of work. Um, He's not a good person. I mean, you can look at all of his background and everything that he's done. I don't care that he's a recovering drug addict. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm one of those individuals, especially as a retired cop, that, you know, you got to answer for your mistakes. So it is what it is, you know, but what they pulled or what they're trying to pull today, and I don't think a lot of people really understood. So this morning, I hear that they've assigned a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. So when you first see that, you think, oh, finally, you know, we're going to have a real investigation. We're going to have a special prosecutor. They're going to go in there and they're going to do this. No. And then the Republicans are saying right now, this is a cover up. And again, I don't think so. I think this is so past a cover up. I think this is so past like Watergate and cover up and all those terms. And I'm hoping some of you are willing to talk to me about this. I'm, I'm trying to stall a little bit as other people join. Because this is not what I think people understand it to be. If you think that this is them establishing a new investigation, that they're going to do a much more thorough job on Hunter Biden, that they're finally going to really give it the resources that it needs, you don't have a clue what just happened today. They're shutting the investigation down. That's what they announced today. They're shutting it down. And here, let's go through the timeline. So let's kind of walk through this. Now, I have the advantage of having, you know, used to be a detective working with district attorneys, with prosecutors on cases to kind of understand how the system works. That's why I understand that um, the grand juries are totally bogus. You can indict a ham sandwich because I know these things are run by district attorneys. And if the district attorney is corrupt, 
or political, they can do whatever they want. And and the first thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, everyone's talking about Charles Weiss, who's going to be the special counsel or special prosecutor in this case. And then the Democrats are saying, oh, but he was appointed by Donald Trump, so he should be neutral. That's total BS. If you understand how the system works. So uh, um, attorneys, prosecutors from different states are recommended by the senators of that state. So where is he from? He's from Delaware. So his name was thrown in during the Trump administration for selection as a federal prosecutor by the two Delaware senators who are coincidentally both Democrats. So Donald Trump, I, I think, just kind of said, fine, you know, what, whatever. And this is it's normal for um, presidents to, to just appoint these people because they're from the state that where they're going to work. So, you, you know, the, the whole statement of saying, well, this Weiss guy was appointed during the Trump administration by Donald Trump, so he should be neutral is total BS. It, it, Donald Trump had very little to do with this other than rubber stamping that the appointment. So you've got someone who's obviously a supporter of, of the Democrats who's running this investigation. So let's go through the timeline. Let's go through the whole process. And if you think this is a clean pure um, investigation with integrity and honor. You have no idea what's going on in front of us right now. So they're going through the, the whole thing. They start to investigate Hunter Biden. And they're trying to delay and delay and delay. And we have already had the whistleblowers tell us under oath in front of Congress that they basically were slowballing it. They, they were slowing the whole process down, just not allowing them to do different interviews, not allowing them to to chase down leads. I mean, basically how an investigation works is you have all these different leads and you assign different investigators. In this case, it'd probably be attorneys to track down those leads and follow up on that. The investigators were not allowed to do that. So if any of these leads led to Joe Biden or the family, they just stopped. They said, no, you're not going to do that. I've never seen that in an investigation where the lead investigator or the DA that's running the investigation actually says, no, don't follow that lead. Don't follow. We don't want to know the answer to that. So don't, please don't do that. So this investigation has been going on forever. And in during the time period of, of this investigation, they're letting the clock run out. The statute of limitations has expired on a lot of this stuff. And there's going to be a great appellate issue for Hunter Biden to say, wait a minute, you know, they didn't charge me before the statute of limitations. So that's going to be an issue. So they're they're going through this whole process. But now, all of a sudden, what happens in 2022? The Republicans take over the House. If that hadn't happened, you never would have heard about Hunter Biden. This never would have come up. This never would have reached the light of day. They would have continued to investigate with no results because the Republicans would have not had any subpoena power. So they would have just looked the other way and not worried about Hunter Biden. It never would have been an issue. But, oh, crap, the Republicans won the House. So Jordan and his friends, thank God, and the other ones that are involved, um, Coomer, is it Coomer, I think, you know, they're looking into this and they're, they have subpoena power. So they're getting these bank records. They're getting all this stuff. All this stuff is getting to the day, you know, the light of day. 
So that's a problem now. It appears they have to do something. So what do they do? You know, as this thing is getting hot and heavy in the house, they finally come up with this sweetheart deal. Okay, so they 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 need this to go away because they know the Republicans are getting too close to figuring out what happened. So they try to pull off this sweetheart deal in Delaware. What a surprise. Talk about home court advantage. So they go in front of this judge who pulls the whole rug out from underneath them. She starts doing her job. She asks them the tough questions. And the whole thing falls apart right in the middle of this hearing. Now, this hearing, I would love to have been there because there's more going on in this hearing than meets the eye. She's asking all these questions. And the Hunter Biden team is like, oh, no, no, we wanted immunity from now to forever, no matter what Hunter Biden did. And she's like, that's not how the system works. Uh, You know, you have to work out an admirable deal. Um, So it fell apart. And the prosecution and the defense couldn't work it out there in front of the judge. And so then she pulled the real curveball, which not many people, I think, have brought out or have said, you know, this is a huge deal. I've worked on cases where it's called a preliminary hearing or an arraignment, an arraignment. That's when you do your actual plea, where you plead not guilty or guilty. And you've seen this with Donald Trump. They bring him in immediately and then they have him, you know, guilty or not guilty. And then, you know, Donald Trump obviously said not guilty to all these things. What a lot of people don't understand is that starts the clock. The clock starts a little timer. Got to make sure that looks right. The timer starts for speedy trial. Everything has to progress. Once you start that clock, it's going. It it is. And you are on a timeline. And the judge is going to enforce this. The judge is not. and, And obviously, she's not a friendly judge. It appears she's doing the right thing. So they knew once that happened. They had a problem. I've worked on cases where the judges let the arraignment not happen for two years. For two years, I worked on a case, and ultimately the case was dropped against this individual because in that case, again, the prosecution was not acting appropriately. But once the judge says, I want to plea, we're starting it today. So I'm sure when they were in there doing what they thought was going to be this sweetheart plea deal, and then it falls apart, she probably just, they probably, scared the hell out of them when she said, you know what, we're doing the arraignment right now, right now. So, you know, get your client up here. I'm, You know, he's in the courtroom and she reads out. I mean, this is what she does. She reads um, the complaint against him and says, how do you plead? How do you plead, Mr. Biden? And he said, obviously not guilty. That's what was reported in um, the reports or, in the, you know, on the news. So we just look at, oh, you pleaded not guilty, just like Donald Trump, you know, and, and when his arraignments, when he was arraigned. How long has Joe Biden been under investigation and never had to go before a judge and say not guilty? Not guilty, Your Honor. Years. But with Donald Trump, that's a totally different clock. So with Hunter Biden, they're trying to run the clock out. They don't want the clock to start. With Trump, they need that clock to start immediately. So there is no delay in that investigation you know they're running that one at warp freaking speed and hunter biden you know is running at a turtle speed if that 
but she called their bluff. You know, I'm sure she was frustrated and pissed off at these people because she knew what was going on with this sweetheart deal. She shut it down. And then she said, I want to plea right now. We're going to do it right now. We're not going to give you another hearing. And I'm sure I'd love to read the transcripts. I bet they said, your honor, you know, we're really not ready to do a plea or to do um, guilty, not guilty. But she said, wait a minute. If he was willing to come in here to take the deal, that means you are ready to start and prep for trial. So you are ready. So let's go. And Hunter had to get up to the microphone and say, not guilty. Boom. Clock starts. You got six months. You got six months to make it happen. Well, shit. Oh, guess I shouldn't be saying. Well, crap. When is that going to be in six months? If you have to have a trial for Hunter Biden because he's not willing to take the deal within six months because she started the clock, when is that? That's like next January or February, right in the middle of the whole season. They're going to run right when they want to go after Donald Trump and have all the news cycle about Donald Trump's trials. For God's sakes, they don't want to have Hunter Biden's trial. I mean, that'll blow the whole thing you know, out. And what if they, the Republicans find out all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. And even worse, even if they know the deal's off the table now, because the Republicans are full steam ahead, if he actually had taken the deal, which I think in their part would have been a big mistake, they never should have done this, because once it's done and they take the deal, the case is over. Everything that's sealed is unsealed. Everyone involved can start talking. This Weiss guy, you know, they, in, in preparation of the sweetheart deal, they had already subpoenaed him or already asked him to come before the House committee. I think Jordan did it. And he would like he said, okay. And then he kept trying to delay it and stuff. He's not going there now. He's going to say that's an ongoing investigation. And if they say, no, I want you in here. I want you to testify. All right, I'll show up. And he shows up. Guess what he's going to say? Well, I can't talk about that. That's an ongoing investigation. I can't talk about that. That's an ongoing investigation. So they realize at this point, they don't want this case to be over. You know, I think they were willing to do the sweetheart deal. And, and I don't know how that would have played out, but that fell apart. She called their bluff, the judge, made them put down not guilty, starts the clock for six months for trial. You know, and now they have a cluster. What are we going to do? So today they announce on a Friday. And so everybody, you know, if you think that, I don't think any anybody here thinks that, but all those that think, oh, see, see, I mean, you're going to hear this on the news of all the liberals. See, this is a fair gig. In fact, they're over going after Hunter Biden. They're going to have a special prosecutor on a non-politician. When's the last time that happened? They're going after Hunter Biden aggressively, just like Donald Trump and everybody else. See what they're doing. It's all the same. We treat Republicans and Democrats the same. BS. That's not what happened today. Here's what happened today. It's right here. This is the real story. It's not that they assigned a special prosecutor. That's smoke and mirrors. It has nothing to do what happened today. This, this is what happened today. They shut down the investigation. So, so what is this? What it, I went and got this right off the federal website for federal courts. This is the motion that was submitted today and signed by, oh, who's it signed by? None other than Weiss. Our great neutral guy signed the motion right here that he submitted to the court today. Well, let's go through this little motion. So what's it called? It's a motion to dismiss. They're dismissing the charges against Hunter Biden. 
well, wait a minute. That, oh, I knew about that. I knew that they were dismissing, dismissing the case in Delaware, but that's not, they're not stopping the investigation. That's just because once they assign a special prosecutor, they, they kind of have to do this. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. They can have a special prosecutor in Delaware where he's at, and they could still prosecute Hunter Biden using the six month you know, deadline, but that's not the game here. The game is to shut the investigation down or at a minimum, at a minimum, get it past the election. Because once the election's done, let's ask ourselves, is Biden a liar? Hell yes, he's a liar. He's been a liar from day one, especially about this. Biden is saying, I will never pardon my son. Bull loney. He's going to pardon his son. It's going to happen. Whether he wins the election next year or he loses the election next year, Biden, Hunter Biden is getting pardoned. If you think Hunter Biden is going to spend one day in prison, you're in the king of fantasy because it's not going to happen. It is never going to happen. The only thing that may shut down him where Hunter Biden might go to prison is if um, Joe Biden has a stroke in office and dies. And I'm pretty sure Kamala Harris will pardon him as well. So I think that's how it's going. But let's let's look at this motion to dismiss. Why do we need to dismiss? We don't need to dismiss. This is not necessary at all. But what's the reason? They say without prejudice. I mean, if they said with prejudice, which means that you can't retry them, the judge wouldn't have accepted it. So what they say in here, right on the front page, pretty much says it all. They say there's an issue with venue. This case never should have been tried in Delaware. Well, what the hell? You guys have known this. So why did you go all this length in Delaware if you knew there was a, a venue issue? Because they had a sweetheart deal. They had Weiss, who's their buddy. He's their DOJ buddy who was doing this for him in Delaware, home court for Joe Biden and for Hunter Biden. So they wanted to do everything sweetheart in Delaware, but that fell apart. The judge screwed them. The judge did what was right. And then once she called it out and said, we're not doing this, this isn't happening, I want your plea, that called their bluff. They were screwed once she said, enter your plea, six-month timer. Can't have that. So this whole scam is them saying, hey, there's a venue issue, Your Honor. We yeah, we, we kind of knew there was one, but but now, and they actually even say this, hey, we couldn't cut a deal. And because we couldn't cut a deal, now the venue's an issue. What? So guess where they want to go for? It's right here. You can see it. I've circled it in yellow. You can't read it. They say, um, for these offenses and any other related tax offenses, the venue lies in either Central District of California or in the District of Columbia. Wow. Do you think there's any chance you're going to convict Hunter Biden of a case in California or in D.C.? It's not going to happen. So, but that's still not the point. They're, they're never. This is never going to trial. This is this is done. It's over. It, it, it's it's not going to happen unless the, the Republicans can get in and and or just make this happen. I mean, this is what they need to be focusing on. The the whole change of venue. Now, whether it's in Delaware or California or D.C., it doesn't matter. They're all home court advantage for Hunter Biden. But the play here by asking for this motion to dismiss, the play here is to get that clock stopped. We've got to stop the clock. 
Once the judge says, I grant your motion for dismiss, the clock is busted. It's done. This is what's interesting. This judge appears to be pretty smart. She seems to know what she's doing. That's a problem. Um, so in the motion, they remind the judge, because I'm I, I can see this judge calling them in and saying, wait a minute, you you know, why are you doing this? You know, and calling out their intentions of trying to stop the clock. But it says in the motion, they want to remind her, hey, oh, by the way, a presumption of good faith attaches to the government's decision to seek dismissal. So they're telling her based on an old case, and, and I, I mean, the case is right here, United States versus BGG, whatever, it, you know, U.S. versus Reyes, that you have to give good faith to the state, to the prosecutor, that we're doing this for wholesome reasons. You can't question our intentions for doing this. There's a presumption of good faith that comes with this. So don't even question us why we're doing this and what our intentions are, because you can't. It's right here. And, you know, we're trying to do the right thing. And you can't question that, Your Honor. And you need to just dismiss the case. Now, she has to ask and give the defense an opportunity to reply to the dismissal. Hey, that'll be a quick one. We have no issues because they know they need this stop. And basically, they actually even put it in here. If you actually read the whole motion, they put it in here basically saying, Your Honor, the reason we need to dismiss is because we couldn't cut a deal. So the prosecution is saying in this motion to dismiss, we couldn't cut a deal with the defense. So therefore, we want to dismiss and retry the case in another state, in another jurisdiction, because we couldn't cut a deal. Because we think that they'll just appeal, saying that there's a venue issue, and that could cause an appellate issue. So now that we can't cut a deal, a sweetheart deal, the Republicans won't let us you know, we we want to get rid of the clock. That, to me, this is what this is all about. They're getting rid of the clock because once he said not guilty, that six month clock started and they couldn't have it. Couldn't couldn't deal with it. They're not going to have a trial with Hunter Biden. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. And if anyone thinks that Joe Biden didn't know this was coming is a fool. They knew exactly that it was coming. So you know, this is not a surprise. And and it's funny because I have all my notes here of what I wanted to talk about today. Hunter Biden wasn't one of them. But when I read this motion to dismiss, it drove me insane, you, you know, that this isn't a cover-up. Well, you can call it a cover-up, but there's got to be some term that's worse than that. So, you know, I, what I did want to talk about is I wanted to talk a little bit about Donald Trump and what they're doing against him. No surprise to me whatsoever. Understand how um, U.S. attorneys become U.S. attorneys. They go up through the ranks. No one gets out of college, goes through the law school, passes the bar, and then goes to be hired, at least I don't see this, get hired as a U.S. attorney. It's not how the system works. They go become a DA or a public defender at a local office. They work there for four to six years, and then they work up. So they learn all the tricks of the trades at the local DA's office. Then when they become federal prosecutors, they still remember the old tricks that they used at the local office. They still use the same tricks. It's the same thing with like the FBI agents. Most FBI agents, some go straight in, but most of them are local law enforcement first and then become FBI agents or federal agents later. And they've learned all the tricks of the trade. 
and they're utilizing them. The feds are a master. And one of the big issues with the FBI to kind of go off track here just for a second is the FBI don't use cameras. So in most states, it's law now that all local law enforcement have to have body cams. So every interaction they have is recorded and can be questioned and brought before a court of law. FBI still doesn't doing do that. The FBI, if they walk into an interview at a local office, they will turn the video off. They do not want to be videotaped. If they go and interview someone, they don't record it because they want to be able to say, hey, I'm an honest FBI agent. Here's what happened. It's in my report. That's not the case. I've heard numerous times where FBI agents have actually made up evidence to try to get confessions. They, they, they say, oh, we have you on videotape making that drug transaction. And that's a lie. It's a straight lie. They're lying to these people. But the FBI doesn't care. The DA's offices, they have their own tricks that they do. One of the first ones that they really can't help themselves is they love to overcharge. So what would be one count of something? They make it 30 counts to overwhelm this person. Now, I, I see that that John's on. And, and John, I actually, I want you to turn off, turn on your microphone if you can. Um, and they, they suggest it because John St. Augustine is actually in the outskirts of Portland, Oregon. So hopefully he's okay and he's not taking gunfire at this point. John, can you hear me? I can, Mark. Can you hear me? I can yep, jump that's perfect. You. Can you hear okay? Well, I, I can hear you fine, but I okay. think if you turn your video on, it's probably going to go south, depending on whether oh, no. you're using. I'm on a I'm on a Wi-Fi. All right. Well, let's let's bring let's bring John on if we can, and then I'm going to get out of uh, just quickly. Let me finish up. I just want to make sure your video is okay. You just hang loose for a second. We'll see okay. how the video goes. And okay. I don't see is that gunshots on the back wall? Okay, maybe not. Um, so I want to finish up about Donald Trump because I know John doesn't like to talk about politics, but when I start talking about some of these other things, he might be willing to jump in. So that's one of the tricks they're trying to do with, with Donald Trump, which is not going to work. Donald Trump's got boatloads of money. He can fight all these charges overcharging with, you know, not, not even like 30 or a multitude more charges, but also, um, higher level charges. Like we're going to charge you with first degree murder when nobody died. I mean, that, obviously, that would be overcharging. They always go after the weakest link. And I mentioned this when I talked on Wednesday a little bit. So they know that if they go after Donald Trump, they're not going to intimidate him. It's just not going to happen. So then they get some of his employees and charge them when they know it's never going to fly. It's not going to fly. The employee's not going to get convicted, but they want to scare the hell out of them so they can make them you know, testify for the, the prosecution. That's what they do. And then rearresting. Now, you're seeing this with Donald Trump um, a little bit. You know, they just keep arresting them. So their whole motive is to see how many different indictments they can get. And and this is all going to play out. We're we're going to watch it um, all play out and we'll see how it works. If anybody thinks that that we have a justice system that works the same for everybody, they haven't been in the justice system. So that's it for Donald Trump. I wanted to bring up George Floyd. And I don't know if, if John's going to want to jump into this, but I want to do this real quick. So this week... Where are my notes at here? This week, um, the last and final officer involved in the um, George Floyd case was sentenced to four years and nine months in prison. He was charged or convicted of aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. Aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. Sentenced to four four years and nine months. As it turns out, the officer, I'm not going to say his name, right? So I'm going to apologize now. It's Tao Theo. Um 
he basically it came out in the court during the trial that he was there for traffic control. So, and, and I'm used to that. So that makes sense to me. Usually when you have cases and stuff, you'll have one, maybe even two officers. It's like, look, you take care of the crowd, make sure that nobody, you know, attacks us from behind and we'll take care of the event. He referred to himself as a human traffic cone. I mean, he, he never touched George Floyd. He had nothing to do with George Floyd. He was there to make sure that none of the bystanders attacked the cops. That's it. And he got four years and nine months. Okay. So there's a guy named John Whistler. He pled guilty to first-degree manslaughter in St. Paul. So this was in Minneapolis. This is in St. Paul, sister city. He just pled guilty for punching a guy and killing him. The guy hit the ground and hit his head, and he, he passed away. His direct actions caused the death of this person. He was convicted of first-degree manslaughter. Tiao, the, the police officer, was convicted of aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. Totally different, much lower case. This individual got seven years probation. I mean, direct result of someone dying gets seven years probation and someone who was basically doing traffic control during George Floyd, but he was a cop, gets four years and nine months. So I had a bunch more to talk about on these different things. I talked too much about Hunter Biden and all that BS that happened today. So we'll save all this other stuff for another day. What what John and I wanted to talk about, because I want to get you involved, John, is um, you may call it malicious prosecution, or I can't say this word. It is prosecutorial misconduct by district attorneys and those. And we've talked about that DAs have absolute immunity. Cops have quanti- or qualified. qualified immunity. Totally different thing. So DAs, it's very, 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 very hard to sue, as John knows, um, because they have this absolute immunity. They can basically tell a grand jury, you know, I, I was trying to jam this guy up so he would talk against somebody else. But there's three things that I wanted to talk about. Um, and actually, I want to dive into the one, uh, and I, I hope I'm not surprising you um and i hope you're willing to talk about ray marshall is that all right yeah i mean it's still an active deal so i have to be cautious on that mark i mean it's let's talk about the criminal judges have absolute immunity as well just wanted to throw that out to answer that question so do you not want to talk about ray marshall about his the whole criminal escapade that went through with him you know i think um you know Again, um, my apologies if I look like I'm tired. It's because I am, uh, Mark. Driving. Thanks. Yeah, (laughs) thanks for having me on. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, that the listeners really need to pay attention to is, you know, I think we're missing the boat on what prosecutors' roles are, you know. And and if you look at, you know, and I know you're going to go through some of these cases, but I think just for a background, what people need to understand is that a prosecutor's role is simply to seek justice. That's it. Seek justice. If you know that somebody did not commit a crime, but you file charges against them, then the right thing to do is to do what? Drop those charges, right? Yep. And what it's become, you know, now is, you know, it's it's almost like a badge of honor, a notch on their belt. Like, how many convictions can I get? And like, you, you know, I heard the end of um, your prior Uh, segment you know we're talking about stacking charges like what is ethically okay when you know that somebody you know you have an allegation 
And all you do is you, you, you pile it on them so that they really have no option but to do what? Take a plea. I mean, if you look at our system, most people, even if they're if they've even if they're innocent, even if they you know they're not even involved in whatever allegation is against them, what they end up doing is they end up taking a plea because the 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 alternative is is not good, right? I mean, one charge versus thirty, you know, maybe a couple months in in jail versus years in prison. So what ends up happening is they they use this as leverage against common people. Right. And, and, you know, you can say it even not common people, you know, well-known people, but they use that as leverage. And that is absolutely wrong. Right. You charge people with what they've done wrong, not pile it on. And oh, by the way, if you have evidence to support that they did not commit the crime, you have an obligation as a prosecutor to do what? To drop those charges. And Mark, I, I know, you know, I don't know if you're going to talk about I mentioned something to you, you know, before I, I drove out about Linda Stanley, right? I just want to read two quotes to you, okay? And this was an interview with a local news news um, company in Colorado Springs. And I'm taking a direct quote from an article that I'm reading. And, and the quote is, without the caring factor, without the love factor, the baby is a pain in the ass. Stanley told a reporter in an on-camera interview, which aired August 1st. And then she goes yep. on, right? She goes on to say this. Stanley went on to say that Jacobs, 21, had recently been released from prison for a sex crime and was watching 10-month-old Edward Hayes while Crawford worked, and in quotes, so that he can get laid. That's it. Now, whatever happened to professionalism, right? I mean- right. The thing, right? You and I have been down this road with, with prosecuting, you know, with with being involved in investigations that put bad people behind bars, right? And that they have their due process, they get their opportunity. But what we never do is we don't go out in the press and try to try this case in the press, right? What do we typically say when there's a crime? There is an allegation, right? At this point, right, the the court, the trial will. will, will will result in whatever, whether the person's found innocent or the person's found guilty. But all we've done has been a fact gatherer. So why is Miss Stanley, right, going out and making these kinds of comments? And so not only are we not seeking justice, but now we're going out and we're trying to influence the jury pool. If you think about it, this is going on in Canyon City. There's not a large jury pool in Canyon City. And what has she done? She's tainted it. Tainted them. Yeah. yeah, you know. So like, let me give a little background. I actually, I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark. I, I want to give a little background because I actually did the research on, um, what is it, Miss Stanley? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Linda Stanley. I don't know why I didn't highlight that. All right, so Linda Stanley is the Fremont County District Attorney. It's for the 11th Judicial District uh, Attorney, and now she's had some issues. One is she's the one, it's her organization that totally screwed up the whole Barry Marf or Morphew. I, I can never Morphew case. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So she gets elected and then she hires Mark Hurlbert, who's the most corrupt district attorney in Colorado. Who, who by the way, I gotta add this because this is just too too funny. Mark Hurlbert was first known for being the DA up in Aspen or Aspen or Vale, up in up. The one against um, um, against uh, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, that whole case. 
Yep. Law, I mean, he, he basically dropped the charges on the case. He lost uh, against Kobe Bryant's sex assault case. He turned out there. So then he becomes the deputy district attorney under um, Brockler. Man, I'm, Brockler. And then he he's ended up named as a special prosecutor against Terry Makita and yourself down mm-hmm. in El Paso County with super corrupt DA Dan May. Gets hung jury, can't convict um, Terry Makita, drops the charges on you a month before trial because there's no evidence. It's And we've had multiple cases where we've actually seen when we're brought in, it's like, dude, there's no evidence. Then, you know, we get involved and all of a sudden the charges get dropped. I mean, mm-hmm. amazingly, somebody had probable cause of a crime that never happened that isn't a crime. So, exactly. so he gets elected, hires Mark Hurlbert. What a step in the right direction. But the key about Mark Hurlbert, he's going downhill. He was the DA. Then he was a deputy DA up in the Denver area. I think it's Arapahoe or in Douglas he was County. Or... Assistant DA. He wasn't yeah. even a number DA. two, right? Two, yeah. And he's fired. Brockler fires him because he can't even convict former Sheriff Terry Makita of a crime that didn't commit or never happened, not a crime. And now he's out in the middle of nowhere in Buena Vista or wherever, working for the DA for the eleventh judicial as their number two. He totally screws up the Morph uh, Morphew Morphe. case. And I'm going to read something else about Morphew here in a second. But but here's here's the highlights of Linda Stanley's career once she becomes the 11th Judicial District. She's suspended. Her law license is suspended in July of 2022 for not maintaining training. Now, what happens when you become an attorney is they want you to always keep your knowledge and your skills up to date. So you have to go to somebody, was it CLEs or whatever, everybody who's any type of professional association as experts you know we're expected to go to training but it's required by the state bar association or whatever that they get so many um, cle's she never had any for like years and and so they finally finally suspended her license until she took care of it and got these cle's so she went to 40 hours of training or whatever real quick she she screws up the the barry morphew case totally and and it's obvious in that case that they withheld evidence discovery they said they had a case then when it got close to trial just like in your situation and i'm i'm not saying whether this barry guy's guilty or not that's totally irrelevant but with all this cluster stuff they just they they do a motion to dismiss and then in april of this year she's sanctioned for discovery violations by a judge i mean so this is her awesome career and you can actually see her interview where she's saying the things that you're talking about where this baby's a pain in the ass, you, you know, and, and he's watching that baby so he can get laid. I, I can't tell you how many times as a um, homicide detective, as a detective working a homicide, and you were the commander of investigations, I would have loved to gone to the media and said, hey, let me tell you what a piece of shit this guy is, you, you know, before trial. But you can't do that because you're going to taint the jury pool. You're going to get a mistrial. You're Actually, what she's basically um, probably going to do and maybe she's doing this on purpose because she knows she's incompetent, is she's going to get a venue change. Or the judge is going to step in and say, you know what, based on your statements, you can't prosecute that case anymore. We're going to give it to somebody else. That's probably what's going to happen in this case because the judge is going to say, dude, you're obviously not looking at this neutrally. You know, you're, you're calling this this kid all these names and you know, and saying this stuff about the case. That's not what sh- her job is. Her job is to prosecute and seek the truth. Obviously, she's completely completely tainted yeah. on that. 
you know, sorry for add, no, no, you're fine. And, you know, add to that, Mark. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but she has five formal complaints with the attorney regulation council of the right Colorado Supreme court. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. She's and in complaints are rare. Complaints are rare. Exactly. And she has five of them that are active right now. So, you know, it, it kind of goes to this whole thing of, you know, like I'm saying, like, you know, there, not only is she not seeking justice, the lack of professionalism, you know, we're all held to a certain standard and especially in law enforcement. I mean, you know, we we were taught in the basic academy that you don't tarnish the badge, right? That there's you're always held to a higher standard than than the common person, right? Well, imagine a prosecutor going out and making the statements that she's made. It's just, you know, it's it's sickening and, and it's sad because, you know, I'm sure there are more qualified individuals um, that, can, <laughs> that can step forward in 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 the 11th district. But this is, you know, this is what they have. And so, you know, these are the ones that have been magnified. The question I have, Mark, is how many other cases has she been involved in where either somebody has been wrongfully, right, um, incarcerated? Right, or, right. Or, or, or somebody was not arrested for committing a crime that they've actually done. You know, so for me, it's like, you know, this whole prosecutorial misconduct, I mean, we're seeing it on the national level. We're seeing it on a, on a you know, a, a state level. We're seeing it on a local level. And we really need to do, there has, this is why and you've heard me say this before. We have got to get rid of absolute immunity. No profession. Prosecutors has, and judges. Yes. No, no profession has absolute immunity, except prosecutor yeah, and yeah except for god right but a prosecutor and a judge they can do whatever they want to whatever whoever they want <coughs> what we're seeing unfortunately we're seeing the the results of that you know where you just i heard the last part of your segment where one party gets a heavier sentence than another i mean you're aware mark when in just in el paso county same incident right somebody gets backed over killed one is a an active member of a party no charges. Another is a minority charges. Like there has to be a level playing ground. If you're going to charge one, you have to charge all. If you're going to drop right. one, you got to drop all. And really on the dropping end, you know, I'm not saying you should drop charges unless, unless there's no evidence to support that allegation. You still have to seek justice. And I think we're, you know, we're not seeing that. And as long as we have absolute immunity, you know, I'm dealing with some cases right now and I'm Mark, you know, I know you're aware of a few of them, but, you know, the prosecutors end up saying things that are completely unprofessional, you know, completely um, not true. And, you know, they end up being able to say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, uh, as long as they want to say it. And there's no ramifications for their actions. So it's just it's a, yeah, it's a and I've seen this. Um, we, we had John and I had an awesome case, even though John and I are considered partners. Um, we don't work on very many cases together because that's just not how it works. But we we did have a case in one case up in Weld County, and I'm not going to get into specifics. But I will tell you that district attorneys typically when they do a case and, and we're talking homicides and other serious cases, they're never challenged by the defense bringing in experts to say time out. Let me tell you what they did, you, you know, their investigation. And we had an opportunity to do this. And it's one of the few times that I've actually had a, the, the district attorney, not one of the people working for the DA, 
but the actual district attorney start yelling at me on the stand. And I was just smiling. I was like, man, I made a DA yell at me because he did not like what I had to say. And we got a hung jury because what they did ethically was wrong. They, they, they literally seated a witness. Their star witness was seated the information by law enforcement and told what to say back. So he, I refer to it as parakeeting. They told him what they wanted him to repeat. He did. And they're like, there we go. He told us everything we need. And it's like, guys, you told him what to say. That's not how it works. You know, so I love that. But I, I want to read this last thing because this is this just cracks me up. We still have a few more minutes. This is about my good old buddy, Mark Hurlbert, who I think is the most corrupt district attorney in the state of Colorado. My opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, he recently was at a hearing on um, the the Morphew case. Man, I can't say that. Morphew case. Yep. yep. And, and I, I know you know this, you know, because he said this and it's been quoted. You know, Deputy District Attorney Mark Hurlbert in court Monday, you know, blah, 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 blah. He he makes this statement because they want, I think if I read this right, they want to keep everything sealed. They don't want it unsealed because somehow that's going to taint their investigation. He's referring to the victim. Um, oh, man, I can't believe I can't remember her name. Um, Susan. Suzanne. Yep. This is what he says in the courtroom. She is in a very difficult spot. We actually have more than just a feeling. And the sheriff's office is continuing to look into, for Miss Morphew's body. So he's telling the judge, hey, we kind of know where her body is. Well, it's summertime. There's no place in the state of Colorado that you can't get to right now. But he's telling the judge in a in a hearing, you need to keep everything sealed because, by God, I think we're still going to find that body here soon. I have to tell you, from my experience of Mark Hurlburt, there's a 99% chance he's lying through his teeth because that guy lies, 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 and, and unbelievable. You, you know, what he's willing to say, you know, to get what what he wants and that's just not how it works I, and you know and, Mark, I mean to, to give the listeners kind of a perspective right of what what should be done right like what what should a prosecutor do in that situation involving miss morphew what should be going on right is no mate no mention of anything that they're doing find her body then do the big news conference right of Hey, you know, we dug in a certain area, we located the body, which has been identified as Miss Morphew, and then take it from there, right? And 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 actually say, right, um, we have, you know, somebody, you know, in custody, but that person has a presumption of innocence, right? Until we live in America. It's not a presumption of guilt, right. it's a presumption of innocence. And what's happening is I think we're failing to understand that. You know, and I, you know, one thing I wanted to mention too, Mark, is I think a lot of times people look at you and me and go, oh, so now they're anti-cop. And it's like, yeah. that's the furthest thing from the truth. What we're anti-anything, it's anti-not telling the truth. Like, you have an obligation as a law enforcement officer or a prosecutor that if you know there's something that isn't smelling right, that you have to investigate it further, right? You, If you know that there's an inkling of somebody's innocence, then you have to go out and investigate that more because 
you are potentially sending somebody to prison for some extended period of time. And in a, you know, a first degree murder case, potentially the rest of their life. Right. And, you know, they look at you and me and they go, oh, I get it. Now these two yahoos are doing nothing more than representing the defense, right? All these criminals that go out and commit crimes. No, we don't. What we do is we analyze evidence or the lack thereof and tell people, right? Tell the defense attorney, hey, wait, law enforcement did a great job on this. Or wait, time out. They didn't do their job. They didn't get the facts right. They didn't even gather the facts. And so, you know, and in those situations, we explain how those facts need, how they can be obtained and how there was no effort to get it. So or I just lack to... of facts. What's that? I have to tell you for lack of facts. Yeah. So um, we're both incredibly pro law enforcement. I still teach at the college for a post academy class. I've been doing it for like 15, 17 years. I want good cops out on the street. That's it. So my issue, and I know you're going to agree with this because we've had this conversation. The law enforcement only has one opportunity to screw a case up. And here's the problem is defense. So the, the prosecution, law enforcement, they do all their work, their evidence gathering that they're doing, whether it's digital, which is really where we come in, is in digital forensics and digital evidence gathering. They do all this work, then they charge somebody, and then that person, if they have funds, hopefully they do, which you know, John, is very expensive. They hire an attorney, and then attorney seeks an expert to look into it, like you and I. And we're probably the two most used experts in the state of Colorado for police procedures, digital evidence, forensics. Then we get the information. This could be six months later. Let's say it's six months later. (laughs) Then we look at it and go, holy crap, they didn't get the right thing. You know, they didn't collect the right digital evidence. And then we're we're sitting there going, you need this. They should have gotten this. And because they didn't get that, the evidence has been lost. So the incompetence of law enforcement can get people convicted if they don't do their jobs right and collect the right evidence and go after, like you were saying, you know, follow the truth. If I've got six people who might potentially be involved and I single out one and go get all their forensics, you know, their cell phones, laptops or whatever they do going after that one person. Yeah, I mean, they could hose this up because we can't go get person number four's information, law enforcement should have. They should have gotten all six. So because of their lack of a good investigation, and I want to say digital investigation, because of the with this day and age, digital investigation is, is just as important as DNA, fingerprints, testimonial evidence, anything else. It's just as important to get that evidence. We come into a case and we go, we can't challenge the veracity of, of their allegations because they didn't do a good job in collecting all this evidence and now it's lost. I said the other day in a case where I was testifying, I used the word destroyed multiple times because the prosecution destroyed evidence and their heads exploded. You, you know, they got mad because I kept using that word. And it's like, that's what you guys did. You deleted digital files, you destroyed evidence, and now this individual, whether he's guilty or innocent, I don't have a clue, right. but they can't defend themselves against this machine of a prosecution that brings in all these cops to testify about everything. But it's like, we don't get the same opportunity. 
to, right. to do that stuff. Yeah, you're right, Mark. I mean, in the other part of it is, you know, we're probably, you say we're probably the busiest. We're probably also the most hated in a lot of jurisdictions, <laughs> yeah. right? And it shouldn't, and here's the thing. Why are you going to hate you or me regarding an investigation or regarding the, the, the forensic evidence? You know, the facts are the facts. The fact that you didn't go out and obtain it, that's on you. That's not on us. And if you're going to go send- We're exposing them. We're exposing, you know, exposing in the sense that, you know what, but but when they do a great job, what do we tell the 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 process or the defense attorney? They did they Got did the, they did a good job <laughs> exactly right. Like take a plea, do do whatever you can to minimize the liability of your client. But if and I love I love when I read through police reports when I'm reviewing discovery, and I see a well written report, everything well done, and I just sit back and say, man, that's a great cop. That person did their job, you know. But then I read these other ones, and it's like. They didn't even tell me what day they did the interview. I don't even know what day they did. I mean, it just crappy work. And then we call them out and then they get mad at us. Yeah. You know, I think you, I don't know if you remember Mark, but you remember that case out of the Academy, there was a, an allegation that this, this cadet of the Academy had sexually exploitive material, right? Child pornography on, on his device. They arrested him. They never found any child pornography. It went to trial. He was found not guilty within 10 minutes of the jury deliberating. And what happened to that poor kid? He never was able to graduate at the academy with his class. In fact, he was never able to graduate and become an, an officer just because of the allegation. You know, we were right. seeing, you right. know, we see teachers, we see it with professionals, we see it with, you know, everyday normal people that just go about their business on a daily basis and law enforcement didn't do their job and they end up getting, you know, taking a plea like we we see a lot of the times because the the, the options are not very good. Right. Go to prison or, hey, go to jail. Many, many years. Many, many years. I, I will tell you, there's definitely law enforcement agencies and district attorney's offices that are charging when they know it's a weak case, knowing that 90 percent of the people have no choice but to take a plea bargain because we're not cheap. And. You know, and I feel bad about that, but, you know, I got to make a living and a lot of people and you, you have anybody, John, a good defense is over a hundred thousand dollars. How many people in, in Colorado could just get, come out and, and just write a check for a hundred thousand dollars? How for many something people, they didn't do for something, for they, something didn't do. they didn't <laughs> yeah, right. do? Yeah. You can't even sue afterwards to say, look, right. I, right. you know, you guys dropped everything. Give me yep. back my hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You nope. know, that's just it happening. Work. It's not. Yeah. And so we, we do need to, to wrap this up. Okay. Um, John, I appreciate you. You know, I, I can't believe you're in Portland, Oregon. What a brave <laughs> person. I would never go there, uh, but I appreciate you driving. He He's driven two days, like 12 hours a day for two days. And then he hasn't even taken a break yet. And he comes straight on to do this podcast for me. Um, Really appreciate you coming on. I hope everyone appreciated what I told you about stinking Hunter Biden at the first part over what actually happened today. Um, Can't wait to talk to Chuck and Julie about that uh, at some point. But hey, Chuck and Julie will be back on Monday. I'm sure they'll have all kinds of inputs about the special counsel being appointed for the Hunter Biden case and other stuff going on in Colorado. Have a great, tremendous, tremendous weekend. I've already started. I'm, I'm chilling. So uh, John, have a good weekend at your wedding and everything. And I'll see everybody next week. Have fun.
Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you.